All right, sir. Let me uh, let me know what you got going here. All right. So this goes out to you, my very special super fan who got triggered in the comments. So this gentleman right here on our video, uh, well, he got very angry at us for talking about Flat Earth being a crazy conspiracy. You know, I didn't so, expect our little two-man therapy sessions to drum up a hater this fast. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I'm okay with it because he clearly doesn't understand what's going on, and he clearly has no valid understanding of the world. Um, so I, I don't necessarily want to call you out, man, but I do want to at least illustrate to you that you are wrong. Um, so there's some fallacies wrong. that need to be addressed. Yes, he makes arguments that are clearly wrong. Um, so a sphere, so he says, I'm going to ignore most of this, but he says a sphere is not a container and water cannot seek its own level on a sphere. The silly idea we live on a sphere that holds gazillions of pounds of water to it has never been validated via experimentation by the scientific method. NASA cannot do a three-body problem. The globe math does not work. Look it up on Wikipedia. It is claimed we have an atmosphere next to a vacuum where equilibrium fails to occur due to entropy. I'm not really sure what he's talking about right there. Um, that's never been validated by a scientific method. In fact, just the opposite. Such a notion would break the second law of thermodynamics. Um, so the, the second law of thermodynamics uh, simply states... Uh, more or less you can boil it down to entropy must always increase. Um, now that's not to say that you can't have a local decrease in entropy because the entire universe is one system. So the entropy in the universe is always increasing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't have a, uh, a reduction in entropy in a closed, in a, in a closed system within the universe. Uh, it is a thing that happens. So, uh, back to his comment here real quick. Um, so gas is always subject to entropy and thus equalization with the available volume. Um, I guess what he's trying to say is that gas spreads out and fills its container. Um, this is true, um, but his understanding of it is very flawed. Uh, there are only two ways to stop the entropy of a gas, he says. Get it down to zero Kelvin, which is not even possible in deep space according to the cosmic microwave background data or put it in a container uh, but in your model earth is a earth is an open system that's obviously not going to work don't spread information because you really haven't studied what we believe research flat earth i'm telling you buddy i don't really need to research flat earth um i know the claims you make and they're just factually wrong um so specifically uh what i want to go over are the three points that he did bring up and I will be bringing in and showcasing a little bit of Professor Dave Explains. Um, this is a great guy. Uh, he makes wonderful YouTube videos, very good on explaining things. Um, and he's pretty funny too, I think. But he's doing a specific video. Uh, this video is published July 2nd, 2019, where he says the 10 things that all Flat Earthers say. Um, I'm not obviously going to replay his entire video, but I am going to play... Uh, two small sections of it so I can kind of illustrate uh, what's going on 
Um, Preston, you'll have to let me know if you uh, hear this audio. Okay. Number three. All flat earthers say the same two things about water. Can you hear it? It's a little low, but yeah. And the second is water finds its own Better. level. The second phrase is completely meaningless, so the fact that you all say that exact thing verbatim is just one of the many demonstrations that you all blindly repeat what you hear without giving it a moment's thought. As for the first phrase, stating that water doesn't curve is at least a coherent thought. However, it is dead wrong. Put a drop of water on a piece of wax paper or a leaf. What does it look like? A freaking sphere. Isn't that something? In your haste to mindlessly parrot what you heard from Flat Earth priests about water, you forgot to look at water. Water curves, my friends. Look at this curved meniscus. Look at these waves. Water curves all the time. Water is not magic. It is subject to influence by external forces, just like all other matter. With the spherical water droplet, that's the electromagnetic force. Water molecules make hydrogen bonds with one another, which in this context we refer to as cohesive forces. That's why water has a very high surface tension. And that's why a water droplet remains spherical, so that it can maximize the number of hydrogen bonds that are formed and keep the system at the lowest energy possible. So clearly and indisputably, water curves. In this example, it is due to the electromagnetic force. It is therefore quite easy to understand that it can curve under the influence of any force, including gravity. The oceans conform to the curvature of the Earth just like the land does, and for the same reason. This is why saying that water finds its own level is absolutely meaningless. You think that level means flat, as though on the globe model, water should just magically project into space at some arbitrary angle. In fact, level just means as close to the center of the Earth as possible. What's most hilarious is that even in the tool called the level, which only works because gravity exists, there is a curved bubble right in there. If the bubble is curved, what is the liquid, which is mostly water, doing around that bubble? It curves. It is absolutely astonishing how the things you repeat from Flat Earth videos are incompatible with even the most trivial everyday observations. You should acknowledge that. Number four. Well, I mean, I know our commenter is not going to accept that as truth. Um, flat Earthers have a very bad... Uh, ability to accept evidence to the contrary. Um, this I've seen over years of watching Flat Earth videos and kind of laughing at them because, I mean, let's make no mistake, these guys are silly. I mean, they literally believe a fairy tale. Um, so I don't think our friend here is going to change his mind. Um, but I do just want to point out the absurdity of his claim. Water does curve. It water doesn't find its own level because water doesn't have its own level if that makes sense water levels based off of gravity it'll find its lowest energy state and that just happens to be wherever gravity pulls it to got anything preston i'm still dumbfounded on how these people think the world is flat it's <laughs> it's and just the whole parody mentality of them hearing things and just spouting it back out as truth and not even doing a little bit of research. I mean, I almost laughed out loud during that video whenever <laughs> the guy was just like, look at a drop of water. And I was like, all right, let's take the most simplest thing of water and smack you in the face with it now, huh? Because it's like yep. the stereotypical science channel picture 
of a drop of water falling off a leaf. It's a circle. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, uh, this is a real thing. People genuinely believe this. And they're talking, he was talking about the three body problem. I'm not going to get too much in the depth with the three body problem. Well, if you want to um, give it a quick and dirty, because I am completely ignorant to this. I mean, I'll just read right off of Wikipedia. In physics and classic mechanics, the three body problem is the problem of taking the initial positions and velocity or momenta of three point masses and solving for their subsequent motion according to Newton's laws of motion and Newton's laws of universal gravitation. The three body problem is a special case of the in body problem. Unlike two body problems, no general closed form solution exists. Uh, as the resulting dynamical system is chaotic for most initial conditions and numerical methods are generally required. Historically, the first specific three-body problem to receive extended study was the one involving the moon, the earth, and the sun. In an extended modern sense, a three-body problem is any problem in classical mechanics or quantum mechanics that models the motion of three particles. So uh, the reason being is that three point masses uh, orbiting and moving around each other with their various... Uh, positions uh, initial positions and their uh, momenta it creates a chaotic system i mean if you look at this right here i mean this is this is ridiculous there's a reason why there's no one size fits all equation to something like this because when you bring chaos into mathematics it really throws things for a loop there's a lot of things that we don't know exactly how they work we know airplanes fly do we know why? Well, actually, no. Um, and that's the interesting thing. There's two different competing theories that state that the lift on the wings is the reason, uh, which is generated by the uh, the lower air pressure created underneath the wing foil, um, or because the air is just smacking into the wing and pushing the plane up. I mean, we really we don't actually know why planes fly. We just know that they do, and the math checks out. Um, math, when it comes to fluid dynamics, usually has uh, what a professor in college told me was uh, bullshit factors. Um, we don't know why, but we know if we throw these factors in, we can make the math work close enough uh, that we can get you off the ground. And at the end of the day, mathematics is more about getting into the ballpark. If you can get to the ballpark, you're, you're pretty much done. So saying that we can't solve something like this uh, is rather redundant in and of itself. The reason you can't solve something like this is because mathematics wasn't designed to solve and equate for chaotic systems. This doesn't, there's no repeating motion in this. This isn't going to repeat its, I mean, actually it, it could technically repeat itself after infinity, but then you're looking at, infinity and nobody likes to deal with infinities in math so the problem with the three body system i will grant that to you it is a problem but it doesn't need a solution and besides uh when it comes to the three body problem you usually just have to uh brute force it and you can you can make a solution to an individual 
version of the three-body problem. But three-body problems in general do not have a solution. There's no one-size-fits-all equation. Um, I mean, this kind of stuff is... It's ridiculous. I mean, just look at this math. Buddy, you, you, you fixed fridges. You don't understand this. I went to school for this stuff, and I don't understand this. So you're going to have to try again. That just gave me a... Uh... A great confidence booster in our ability to fly planes, and we don't understand how it works. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we really don't. You can feel free to look that up. I'm not even joking. You can take that to the bank. We do not know how planes work. We just know that they do. Um, and then to touch base on the uh, last topic, uh where he's ranting about gas and entropy and stuff. Um, I'm going to throw it back to Professor Dave Explains uh, on point four. How can our atmosphere be next to a vacuum? Um, and I'm going to leave the link to this video uh, in the description box below because this is uh, th this is important stuff. Um, and plus, you'll get a good laugh out of it, I promise you. Uh, he has a whole series about debates and debunking uh, things and everything. I mean, really really take a look at this guy um he talks about the electric sun model i don't know if anyone's ever heard about the electric universe theory um way over the top like i said i went to school for math of this level and i can hardly understand it uh this is just some absolutely insane stuff uh but we'll go ahead and uh, go back to professor dave's video real quick you are all quite perplexed about how Earth's atmosphere can exist next to the vacuum of space. This one is rather amusing because what's happening is that since you have no science education, your only context for the word vacuum is a vacuum cleaner. And again, because you have no science education, none of you understand how a vacuum cleaner works, which is a problem because you seem to think that outer space is a vacuum cleaner. Let's take a moment and clear this up. A vacuum is any region where there is no stuff. Here, there is stuff like air. In space, there is no stuff, or at least very, very close to no stuff. Space is essentially empty. That's a vacuum. It is not a thing that sucks. Vacuums don't suck. Everyone say it with me together. Vacuums, Vacuums don't, don't suck. suck. Earth's atmosphere displays a gradient because gravity exists. There's a lot of atmosphere right near the ground, and then as you rise, because fewer and fewer molecules will have enough kinetic energy to go so high, it gets thinner and thinner and thinner until there's none left. Then you're in space. It's that simple. Number five, one of your favorite little gotcha ch Oh, that, that, that's a pretty funny one, too, but uh, I'm not going to play more of his video. You'll have to watch that yourself. Point is, buddy... Uh... Mr. Superfan, as I call you. Um, it doesn't matter what the entropy is. Like, that's entropy of a gas is irrelevant. The gravity of the Earth, which you probably don't believe in gravity. Um, I'd be interested to think what you actually believe pulls everything down to the surface of the planet. Uh, but that's for you to decide. Um, but yeah, um, the entropy of the gas doesn't matter. Earth's gravity pulls down the atmosphere. And because the Earth's gravity pulls down the atmosphere, there can be a vacuum right next to it. And remember, vacuums don't suck. I was laughing off mic during that one, by the way. I couldn't help myself. Yeah, uh, I figured. 
just just him putting the picture of three vacuums in space kind of made me giggle. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny. It's it's really childish that that people have this. I mean, just horribly incorrect view of what is reality. And it makes you wonder, why do people think this kind of stuff? And I'll tell you, um, people think this kind of stuff. Uh, they like to think things that are clearly wrong uh, because it makes them feel different. It makes them feel like a snowflake. And people like being different. People like being snowflakes sometimes. And... You like to think that you're a skeptic. You like to think that you're the one that's right. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I know. I might tell myself that sometimes, but I'm really not. Um, I don't have all the right answers. It's as simple as that. And with a little bit of humility and an open mind, you'd be surprised of what you can learn and what will open... Uh, and what can open your mind in this world? Yeah, there's just not an iota of sense to be made out of their entire argument. It just. Oh yeah, I, that. I, and, uh... I never thought of it, like entertaining the subject, but it's kind of your thing. Um, oh, is this where you talk about Antarctica and the giant wall? <laughs> yeah. Like, like Game um... of Thrones style. Yeah, so he said that uh, you can't go to Antarctica because of the Antarctic Treaty. Um, it doesn't say that. Um, like, you, you can go to Antarctica. You just can't go there for, like, uh, military measures and things like that. Like, you can go there. You can explore. You can investigate. Um, and I'm going to show you right now. Let's find an Arctic cruise are we going on a trip we're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship <laughs> but i like warm places dude i know right so uh let's see here ah the north pole that's cool Oh, I need Antarctic cruises, not Arctic. My bad. Such a rookie mistake. Antarctic cruise. I mean, it is a rookie mistake. You don't think about these things. And then you have some idiot telling you that you can't take a cruise to the Ar uh, to the Antarctic, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, where to? Antarctica. Uh, okay. I like how trip. See, it's 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 a thing. TripAdvisor has it, but we're also in you know, um, some COVID times here. So, don't know if cruises are just not a thing now. Oh, sixteen night cruise to Antarctica. Let's take a look here. Yeah, COVID makes things weird. Uh, yeah, no, I don't care about that. God, this is gonna really mess with my uh everything that i get uh oh when it comes to uh my google ads and stuff this 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 is really gonna mess with my stuff because now it's gonna be like you want to go on a cruise yeah it's like no i don't i don't the actually last thing want I to go on a cruise. Go on a cruise 
Yeah. I'm trying to get a better map of these things. You just picked a seven-night cruiser on the world. Oh, boy. Yeah, not that. Oh. Ten-night cruise to the Antarctic. Drake Passage. See if we can find Drake's passage on here real quick. Oh, and by the way, you might think that this is not real, Mr. Flat Earther. But I'm telling you, this this is actually what the planet looks like. You'd be surprised. So let's find Drake's Drake Passage, body of water. So that's how far the cruise will take you south. Mighty nice looking package you got there, Drake. Hit. <laughs> I, I mean, that's basically the South Pole right there. You know, the geographic South Pole isn't necessarily there, but some somewhere in this giant landmass. But I mean, buddy, there's there's pictures of penguins here. Like, come on. Do you really, really, th you know? Occam's razor would suggest that the simple solution is the correct one. You mean to tell me that for the last couple hundred years that this is this is wrong? We've known that we've lived on a globe for at least 3,000 years. You, you think to tell... You, you really think that all the governments of the world are conspiring together to convince us that this is that the Earth is flat? Now hold on now, Mikey. All right, we... Let's just think about this rationally, all right? I'm 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 pretty sure our our super fan will appreciate like appreciate some rationality here. So, obviously you said there's penguins, right? Yes. Okay, so NASA's not kicking the penguins off. So Oh my god, the penguins are ruling the world. So, let me finish. So if NASA's not <laughs> kicking the like kicking the penguins off for having them executed for being there, the, I mean the simplest solution is to get an anatomically correct penguin outfit. And stow away on a ship to Antarctica and see for yourself, Mr. Superfan. <coughs> oh, God, that's good. That's real good. Okay. I dig it. Yeah. Alternatively, so, uh, if, if you want to cheap out and wuss out and not see it for yourself, I know you probably don't trust cameras. Uh, just just buy a penguin and strap a GoPro to him and then release him in you know, Antarctica. Let's you know, Mr. Superfan, in all honesty... If the Earth isn't a globe, what is it? I know you might say it's flat or whatever, but where is your working model? Make a prediction, any prediction. Prove that you are correct. And before because... he shows you a piece of paper with the world drawn on it. <laughs> but like, look at look at the other planets like Mars, Mercury, Jupiter. You know, are you going to deny that those were globes? We can see them. We know they're we know they're around. The only reason that you think the Earth is flat is because you're so tiny and insignificant that on the face of the planet, everything around you is flat. And there's a reason for that because the Earth is so damn big. But I'm telling you, super fan, open your mind a little bit. Do some uncritical research, 
or yeah. rather critical research. My bad. I mean, this this is not the way to self-validate, sir. This is, uh, you know, this is not you finding the, you know, the secret lost way to El Dorado. Okay. That's not what Flat Earth is. Flat, flat Earth is you drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm sorry to put it that way. I know you're probably like, yeah, of course you'd say that. Now, I mean, if you know where El Dorado is, please share. Or don't and prove us all wrong and come back loaded. It's it's up to you. Yeah. But I mean just just make a prediction. Any prediction. If you can make a prediction that would prove that the earth is flat, I would be willing to listen to you. But as it stands, we know that the earth is round. We can make predictions based on the earth is round. We have GPS. Where do you think that comes from? There's satellites orbiting the planet. You know how GPS works? You need three satellites. You can use more, but you need at least three to triangulate your location. How does that work on a flat Earth? Not to mention we have some fine ladies and gentlemen that are uh, out there right now that are, uh, you know, working out in space and slinging sweat on their coworkers in zero gravity. Yeah, I mean, how do you explain the ISS? Is it all something in a pool? Is it all fake? Faked by NASA? Do you really think NASA's going to go through all the... What reason do the world governments have to make us think that the Earth is flat? That's Give the me deepest a good reason. of deep fakes, sir. Right. But in closing, I, I, I'm being totally serious here. The Earth is round. The Earth is a globe. Anyone who says otherwise is just crazy. You're indulging a conspiracy theory. And it's not even the good kind of conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy theory that makes people laugh at you because it's so damn stupid. You know what a good conspiracy theory is? Epstein. Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard person. Oh. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's conspiracy fact. <laughs> Epstein did not kill himself. <laughs> and um, I'm going to leave it there. Yep. So uh, take that effort you're putting into being a flat earther and prove to us that the leader of Facebook, the creator of Facebook, is, is a, a lizard, lizard person. person. And for <laughs> that, we will all be eternally grateful. <laughs> Jimmy, just look at video of him drinking water. Yeah, can we just look that up real fast? Can we just, like, in, like, like in, in closing, we just need a, a quick video of uh, Mark Zuckerberg drinking water. Or at least a gif, like something. Well, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Don't forget how to drink the water. Humans like water. It's like he's doing calculations in how to drink water. <laughs> Even the lady behind him was laughing. She knew. Oh, those eyes, man. Look, I got nothing personally against Mark Zuckerberg, you know, aside from the fact that he harvests all of your data and sells it to China. On a professional level, though, as as a programmer, I think he's I brilliant. But yeah, yeah, it's you know immoral and possibly either an android or a lizard. So wait, I've got the best conspiracy theory, and this will close out our video. You ready? Go. Mark Zuckerberg is the flat Earth. We're gonna leave you right there. Drop. And we're live on a saturday morning so didn't see this coming well i can't say i didn't see this coming but i didn't think it would happen this soon oregon everyone's favorite cesspool
they uh they now made it legal for you to possess heroin, Mikey. Congratulations. Uh yippee kaye. So now I guess uh Hunter Biden's gonna be riding his little wagon all the way to Oregon. <laughs> you know, sitting there smoking a pipe. Hope he doesn't get dysentery. I wish that on no one. Yeah, on the Oregon Trail. Yep. Oh, That's, buddy. Uh, so Oregon has now legalized possession of hard drugs. Um, I can't say I'm against it, but I am a little shocked at uh, how little they seem to have put in as far as forethought. So they're legalizing drugs. I mean, they've already legalized weed, right? Which, yeah. you know, is a, kind of a no-brainer considering how many states have successfully done that. And, you know, we're all in agreement there. But now they've legalized, you know, crack, cocaine, heroin, and LSD. Well, I think you should be a little bit more precise there because if, if the article is to be correct... Uh, it looks like they're just saying small amounts of hard drugs. So this would still likely target your dealers who will have, uh, of course, bigger than small amounts. Well, I mean, that's the same as, you know, weed being legalized. They're not legalizing you dealing it. They're legalizing you possessing quantities of it. Um, so it's still they're 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 doing it for the users because I don't see many people running around with like an ounce of heroin unless you're dealing most users are running around with like a gram uh and i guess that's that's what this article is kind of stated out that they're targeting is targeting so that you know hardcore drug users aren't you know getting in trouble for having a gram of heroin going to jail losing their jobs blah blah blah, blah and getting in more trouble and focus more on like putting money into rehabs um uh, I don't know where they're gonna, you know, gonna get the money to do all this, and uh, how successfully they're gonna be able to to execute on their plans. But I like the theory. Then again, communism looks good on paper, and not in practice. So uh, I don't know if this is gonna turn out that way. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're wrong there. You know, uh, a pipe pipe dream of communism being perfect you know if it were yeah sure i guess it wouldn't be so bad everyone helping out everyone else but uh you have the issue that people are selfish and they like to work for themselves and make for themselves and people are generally um greedy and selfish um but with this i guess my biggest concern is uh i know i'm i'm largely in favor of of things like this uh but you do bring up an interesting thing um you know where do they come up with the money so i presume the money is also going to come or, or that the money would come from uh reduced budgets in prisons because if you're not sending these uh these people to prison i'd imagine the state's going to save money there uh, but what I what I'm concerned about is are um, is the rehab going to be more expensive or not? That's uh, the kicker. Because I mean, these people who do have hard drugs and people who use hard drugs, you know, 
I, I have absolutely no idea, no no concept whatsoever of how expensive rehab would be. Um, I, I do have kind of an idea of prison. It's not very expensive um, to put somebody in prison. Um, I think it costs less than students in school. Uh, so... I don't know. I, th I think that Oregon being the only state in the country to decriminalize stuff like this, I think that this is going to backfire tremendously on them because now you're going to have a lot of users who, while they're not necessarily super well off, but the people who are able to move, I'd imagine they'd just pack their shit and move to Oregon. Um, not going to prison for your habit. That's, that sounds wonderful. So I think Oregon's going to come into a lot of problems. Um, I think this is going to backfire on them tremendously because they're the only country in the, or the only state in the country uh, to be offering something like this at this time. I don't know if this was just kind of like a <clears throat> kind of a thought by uh, one of their politicians or a couple of their politicians, or if they were actually like trying to uh, to emulate the like the Amsterdam model where drugs of this caliber are not uh, pursued by the police as much unless you're going to dealing large quantities and messing up families and things. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see how it's going to gonna work out financially considering, you know, I understand weed being legal and you also making it legal to sell said thing and then taxing the sale to help subsidize, you know, other things, but you're not getting any money in flux from this. Uh, if anything, I think they're going to be losing a ton of money. And in a city that already has a rather rampant homeless problem that they still have yet to deal with, uh, I just don't see how this is, isn't going to like really exacerbate the problem, make this like a lot worse. So what you're telling me is, is Walter White should have moved to Oregon. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I wonder where the provision is uh, if they intend on... I guess they don't intend on making any money from this because otherwise they would have uh, legalized some form of sale of this kind of stuff. But then the question is, I, I mean, making meth is extraordinarily dangerous. Um, you know, my dad was a cop for 20... God, 24 some odd years. I mean, ridiculous amount of time. 23 i think actually um and he uh he was trained to take apart meth labs and there were a number of them that uh exploded over his career and uh i mean they're they're extremely dangerous i mean you're working with some very very dangerous chemicals so i guess i understand in a way that they wouldn't want to legalize the sale of this stuff um but part of me really does wonder uh, how much how much of an impact uh, just decriminalizing the small uh, possession of small amounts um, because a dealer could just walk around you know I, I guess you could basically start door dashing your drugs that actually sounds like a pretty entrepreneurial idea dealer has drugs stashed away dealer goes to get drugs dealer grabs a gram takes it to his client drops it off I, I guess i mean the sale is obviously still illegal but if he gets picked up on his way to the sale um well he's not you know he's not committing a crime he, he's not committing a crime at that, at that exact moment 
So, I mean, you know, it, 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 I mean, it does create loopholes. It does create quite a, quite a few loopholes uh, for drug dealers. I mean, but, you know, if you're still caught with your stash, you're probably still going to go to go to prison for that one. Uh, I mean, I, I see both sides of the coin. Like, I like decriminalizing things. I think people should be allowed to make stupid decisions if they want to make stupid decisions. It's, it's, it's we're in America. You have freedoms. It's your fault. Uh, but then again, that also goes kind of against what I believe in that I don't think, you know, people should be making meth in their houses because, well, just for the fact that I don't care if you use meth, it's terrible for you. You shouldn't do it. I mean, you're probably going to kill yourself. But making meth, like you said, in, in, in your house, you're going to destroy your house. And if your house blows up, what about your neighbors, people walking around? You're endangering other people with your actions. So I don't know who... Like, nobody here's, you know, farming or making heroin, I don't think. So that's obviously still being imported from other places. And then LSD, I have zero idea how you make LSD. Um, but I just know that if you get a bad batch, it can kill you. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, the fact that they didn't make some avenue to get this in, like, a like a medical quantity or, like, a me- like medical quality in some aspects, like a regulation of purities. And I just, it's really poorly thought out. Well, there's a problem with a lot of drugs like this. Um, there's no quote unquote set recipe. Um, it's basically just add this, add this, add this, do that, do that, do this. Ta-da. I mean, it's obviously a lot more complicated than that, but like I said, there's no real set recipes and procedures per se. Everyone kind of does their own thing, which is why a lot of these drugs are extremely dangerous. Well, that's Um, where you get into the whole designer drug realm. Exactly. You know, and one of the, one of the ingredients in meth, uh, you know, battery acid. You really want battery acid? Okay, I guess if you want it, go for it. Um, but, you know, they also put pseudofedrin in it. Uh, they also put, um, I believe it's anhydrous ammonia. And one of the biggest things with anhydrous ammonia is uh, breathing that stuff in will kill you. Um, if you breathe in enough, it'll, uh, it's not pretty. You know, and that's, it's actually a common fertilizer used uh, in farms. So out on the bypass, uh, if you're driving, driving down that way, heading out to like 54 or something, uh, if you look out to your right over by where like, uh, I guess Daymar college used to be or somewhere around over there, uh, there's actually a whole bunch of, uh, anhydrous ammonia tanks. It's, I mean, it's, it is common fertilizer, so it's not very difficult to get a hold of this kind of stuff. You know, but to actually make the stuff, that that's where you're, you know, coming to the issues. And please, for the love of God, anyone listening to this, do not Google how to make meth or how to make crack cocaine or anything like that. Yeah, we, we claim no responsibility for, like, you know, the feds showing up at your house because you're Googling how to make meth. The FBI does track that kind of stuff. And they will know if you Google that stuff. And if somebody pays a visit to your house, it is not my fault. So yeah, Googling things is, is all fun and games for educational purposes, but just know they're watching. So oh, yeah. uh, 
keep it funny, you know? Always just kind of trip up the dude who's deciding to watch your internet history. Yeah, just Google, I know you're watching me, FBI, and click enter, and then it'll really freak out your agent. Yeah, they've probably seen that a bunch by now, though. It probably lost its luster. It's it's a stupid meme. I mean, it's kind of uh, like people naming their Wi-Fi FBI surveillance van and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> it was funny the first time you saw it, but now it's just like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just set mine as my last name. It just seems this the most simple. Because that way I can differentiate it between all of my neighbors without much of a thought. Don't I just you see insult it. Your wife it. I like that. It is not a thought. I mean it does allow me to get on the interwebs, and the interwebs is very nice. Oh, I can man. see videos of cats. <laughs> that's all the internet was created for. That's that's the whole theory. Oh yeah, um, so I guess to try to bring this back on topic, um, I like the idea of stuff like this. Um, America is founded on freedom, and I think we need more freedom, not less. Uh, but I am cautious about doing stuff like this unilaterally. Um, I think the I think you really need to do this on a nation scale. Uh, because just if you're in Oregon, by the way, and you have, I don't know, a gram of meth on you or something like that, um, if you're stopped by a federal agent, you're still breaking federal law. And federal law does trump state law in a lot of cases. So even though you're not committing a state crime, you are committing a federal crime. So just please be mindful of stuff like this. I it's do think still that's another problem though. on the national yes. level. I I don't think like the feds or like like the federal government should have their own laws around these things. I think they should be able to help enforce state laws. But I just don't like the fact that you could have one like federal agent that just happens to be traveling through somewhere and it's legal where you are, but they stop you for something and suddenly you're going to federal prison. <laughs> Well, so the feds like... have to come up with an excuse for applying their jurisdiction. Just because a federal agent is in Oregon doesn't necessarily mean that they have jurisdiction where, where, uh, with what they're doing. Uh, they gain jurisdiction by claiming things. So let's say you're driving in your car or something, and that's when they stop you. Well, your car is used for interstate commerce or something like that, you know? I'm not sure it's <laughs> They'll, they'll come up with something. Um, the feds are notorious for a high conviction rate. Uh, if, you're, if you're gotten by the feds, you're pretty much got. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When the feds roll in, you're in trouble. Because the feds won't pursue you unless they know they got you. I mean, I think federal prosecutors, I think it's something like a 90 or 95% conviction rate. So, like I said, I, I am I'm, uh, optimistic that stuff like this could work across the country, but I don't think it's going to work if it's just one state. Um, but who knows? This, this may be uh, the domino falling over that starts to chain. Um, I think the government needs to get out of people's lives and stop telling you what to do on, on everything. You know, I, I do think you should walk out of your house clothed. Um, you know, I think you should 
social distance. You should probably just wear a mask um, just to protect other people. You know, just don't be a dick. That's really the thing, you know. Don't infringe on other people's rights. And I think the government infringes on a lot of rights. Um, but you need a lot of people who want to file lawsuits and then, you know, taking stuff up to the Supreme Court, it's going to get expensive. Then you have to find funding for this kind of stuff. And I, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Um, so like I said, um, I'm optimistic that stuff like this could work. And I think it could be beneficial to our country as a whole, reduce the prison population, um, set people on the path to recovery. Uh, but on the same token, I'm very worried for Oregon because I do think a lot of people, uh, you know, and it may it might not be millions of people, but you know, it could be hundreds, maybe a thousand or so people might decide to pack their shit and move to Oregon. And I do think you're going to have a lot of problems, Oregon. I I think that you being the first one to institute something like this, I think it's going to make Portland even worse. Um, but. I'm not, I don't live in Oregon, so I can't really speak to all of your problems, but I know you guys have a lot, so. Well, it's only logical, because, I mean, you have to assume that on the large part, you're attracting people at that point that have a problem. I mean, you know, drug use is a problem. I mean, anything that kind of has you, has you mentally like that, that you really can't escape from and you're kind of dependent on, it's, it's an issue, so... I mean, yeah, um, the reason I say that is because, I mean, not just the negative health effects or negative, like, societal effects that some, dr you know, drug use can have is even just as simple as, okay, well, if it comes time to pay, to pay your rent and you only have enough, you know, money to pay, either pay your rent or get your fix for the week, a lot of these drug users are going to take getting their fix for the week. So, I mean, like, and then you're running into more trouble. So it just cascades out. So it is a problem. Um, and attracting people that have problems is bringing more problems to your area. So, you know, then you're going to have to spend more money on, you know, tracking these people down, getting court dates. And, you know, they're, I mean, they're going to have more legal trouble anyway. But at least they're not being thrown in jail for, you know, having a little bit of a drug that they're already dependent on and that they have problems with. That's why I'm kind of optimistic in the fact that I think it is better that we try to do rehabilitation as opposed to incarceration. Just because, I mean, some of these people just, you know, were doing stupid things and decided to try something and now suddenly they're addicted to it. I mean, it, it even happens with medical, uh, medical drugs, like people who get on uh, painkillers. Like, they don't tell you that when you go to the doctor's office and you get them like Oxycontins or something, you take those things for like two weeks and good luck getting off of them or like benzos that's even like take those for like a week week and a half getting off those is is really really hard um and you are addicted at that point in time so i don't want to fault people for making stupid decisions or some situation happening and then thus that ruins the rest of your life okay because a lot of these withdrawal symptoms can be like you feel like you're dying so what, I mean, who's not going to take the chance of stopping that feeling for a little bit just by shelling out a little money and hoping you don't get caught by a police officer? So I do think this could be, could be a good thing, but I'm just questioning how much thought they put into this 
And if they really should have done this quite right now, and maybe they should have partnered with a neighboring state or with another state, or just so you have two pools, like two population pools to try this on. I mean, because we know in science, it's better to have um, multiple samples that aren't in the same, same place, same condition. You need variables. You know what? But if Oregon wants to be the guinea pig, I'm okay with that. I mean, at least it's not where I live. <laughs> exactly. So, really so can't I guess, complain too much. I guess in closing here, um, like I said, I, I, I do like this idea. I think it's a natural... Uh, I, I think it's a natural consequence of uh, legalizing cannabis, marijuana. Um, so I think it does make sense, but I am hesitant about the potential consequences. Uh, but I guess time will tell, and we'll see how it's implemented. We'll see what Oregon does, and uh, you know, we might we might be totally wrong. They might have this completely nailed down. This might work perfectly and you know if it does wonderful you know let's see about rolling it out to other states um but at the end of the day it i think this is more of a state's rights issue um the states have the sovereignty to do what they want yeah i mean i i I hope they have this nailed down i hope it works with you know a resounding success rate and that'd be amazing um if it doesn't Let's let's please learn from our mistakes and uh, scrap the current idea and uh, you know work on something new, and don't keep trying to push push broken systems. Perfect. All right, so we're back again, another Sunday, another session, and uh, more random crap to talk about. I like random crap. Yeah. Keeps the mental juices flowing. It does. So, kind of uh, coming from what we were talking about in our last kind of offhand segment from yesterday, uh, with Oregon legalizing the use of hard drugs, apparently, was it Philadelphia? Philadelphia is getting its first safe injection site. And I actually wanted to talk about these. Uh, considering I just watched an article, oddly enough, from Vice, or watched a video from Vice uh, like a day or two ago about Denmark's safe injection sites and like the uh, kind of the positives and negatives. Uh, And I had a few thoughts and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. So we're going to talk about it. Um, So first of all, for people who don't know, safe injection sites are literally just like a government-sanctioned building staffed by medical personnel where people who are using you know injectable drugs and usually the more hardcore drugs i'm pretty sure you're even allowed to like smoke your drugs and snort stuff in there um can can come and actually do their drug of choice and you won't be arrested for possession on the property and you're being monitored by medical professionals so the idea here is um, a, they offer you clean equipment to use, so your needles and all that stuff, uh, so nobody's reusing needles or using dirty needles. And they also offer services like, you know, just regular health checkups, wound care. Uh, they even offer like, like pre- uh, pregnancy screening for for women. So it's just kind of like a, 
kind of like your general urgent care, but catered toward people who are on hard drugs. Um, I think the idea from the government was to keep the instances of like HIV, AIDS, uh, hepatitis, all that stuff, keep all those down from, sh you know, sharing needles and things. And also, I guess, to relieve the burden on uh, ambulance, you know, crews and uh, hospitals for people who are ODing. So I think that portion is a good idea. I don't know what your, your thoughts on that so far are. I don't know. I don't know enough about this to really uh, say one way or another. Um, I mean, it, I guess it doesn't sound like a bad idea. Uh, but then again, like, I, I really do wonder what the efficacy of something like this uh, even actually is. Because uh, isn't the point um, of relaxing drug laws to rehabilitate people to get them off of this stuff i mean does it make sense to give a safe sanctioned place that people can go to shoot up their drugs i mean that just i don't know it, it just doesn't make sense in my head and i can understand that because this is just one one potential solution in the battle for you know getting people off of hard drugs i mean some people think uh, no, we should have harder rules on them and that harder rules are going to cause people not to do it, which really hasn't been working. I mean, people people who are addicted are still doing these things. So that's one avenue. And then we have this avenue where you give people a safe place to do it, but you can't bring in like large quantities and uh, it's for personal use only and it's just to keep you safe and keep everybody else safe. And then there's people who just want to make it legal, which obviously is a terrible idea um but what well i guess not obviously it could be a good idea we'll have to see how, Port how uh, portland and the whole of oregon goes but i think the, there's the thing people are missing here is because if, if you're really looking into drug addictions it's not just the drug addiction that's the problem it's uh what it takes to feed that drug addiction so where there's drug addictions and a large group of drug addicts there's usually a lot of crime because they have to feed that somehow and you know most of these people can't hold down a job mostly because there's drug testing at you know most places and you're going to get popped and you're going to lose your job so them getting a stable income I, I mean i know some of them panhandle which panhandling i don't really have a problem with i don't tend to give out money to people who are panhandling just because it kind of goes against my train of thought and that you work for what you get um but I, out of all the activities they could do, it's probably one of the least harmful that I see. Um, so people panhandle, you know, hold up signs in the corner. Some people lie about it and, you know, make up a sob story. Some people are just, you know, saying the truth, like hungry, need food, which whether they buy food or not is not really, <laughs> not really disclosed. But uh, and then there's the bulk of people who say you have a uh, like a hardcore heroin user somebody feeding one of those addictions could spend up to like $600 a day. And you're sitting here thinking this person's living on the street. Probably they have nothing, but they're managing to get $600 a day. That's like an incredible job. If you're making $600 a day, but most of the time they're stealing from people and they're doing other, you know, illegal and illicit activities. They could be selling drugs on their own. 
I mean, just these, I feel like these sites may have a consequence that people haven't thought of in that it's going to attract a lot of crime to that area. Because if people know they can't be arrested with drugs in this little area around this place, they're going to hang around there. And once they've used up their supply, they're going to need to get money to get more. Well, I wonder what loophole they're actually using to uh, to allow this kind of thing to even open. I mean, I would assume that something like this. Um, I just, I just don't think it's really complicated. I think um, because this just seems like you're enabling uh, a bad behavior. And while I am in favor of decriminalizing uh, usage of drugs in general, I don't think giving people a place to go is necessarily a good idea. Um, I guess what I'm worried about is you're going to have that heroin addict that somehow manages to pull $600 out of thin air every day, you know, to get more heroin, uh, why wouldn't he just start robbing people that are showing up here? It's true. I mean, they're going to have drugs. I I mean, this just, this just doesn't seem like a good idea. And I think it's all, I mean, it's all about triaging. I mean, I, I think this is taking triaging in kind of the wrong way. I mean, I, I, I understand people who put saving people's lives at like the forefront of the problem. So they want to figure out how to get less people to die. Then they'll deal with the other problems of like people stealing and committing other crimes and you can't get rid of drugs. All the exactly. I mean, you can't like, force someone not to take too much, too much heroin and OD. Yeah, and, and, you know, encouraging them to do this kind of stuff. I mean, I guess my biggest thing is, do they just let you walk in there right off the street and shoot up your heroin and then walk right back out the door as long as you don't OD? I mean, do they at least try to, you know, counsel you? Like, give you resources? You know, I, I just... I'm hesitant to think that something like this would be effectual. Um, if anything, I think that something like this is just... I, I just don't think something like this is actually good. And I tend to agree with you. I don't think that it's what we should be doing. I mean, I like that it's possibly going to save lives, reduce needles around, you know, laying around on the street that kids could get into. But again, I think they're putting emphasis on the wrong parts of this. I think if you help try to get, you know, fix the problem of these drugs being there, you're going to fix those byproducts. Cause like right now they're, they're addressing the symptoms, but not the root cause. Um, and the root cause has other side effects that no one's considering. But yeah, to address your bad. your previous questions, uh, it's kind of in a gray area of um, legality in the U.S. Uh, they can't actually make a judgment on it, apparently, until there's a site built, physically built. Then they can start, you know, making court rulings on whether, you know, it's legal or not. Um, 
but right now they're operating under the assumption that they can do it until the court makes a ruling because states have the ability to, you know, govern themselves and make their own laws. So that's kind of what they're going on. I understand why they think that something like this would be a good idea. I mean, you want you want to stop people from dying. I get that. You know, we don't want people dying. We don't want people getting AIDS. We don't want people getting severely sick. We don't want people gumming up hospitals. Um, and, you know, just generally being a drag on society. We don't want that. But I just don't think that this makes any sense. Why would you encourage people to do this? Or maybe they're not encouraging people. That might be wrong. I'll, I'll walk that back. I think it but is encouraging. Allowing people a, a place to go and do this, even if it does reduce, you know, these diseases and stuff, I don't think this is the cure for that kind of stuff. Um, I think... You know, if people are using dirty needles and stuff, and the whole idea behind this is to get people clean stuff so that they're not spreading these diseases, you're treating you're treating a cause, not the symptom. Or, or rather, you're treating yeah. a symptom, not the cause. Sorry, I got that backwards. You know, the cause of this is somebody is addicted to a substance that they don't need to be addicted to. Something illicit. And I think... I think this is where you need to. Uh, I, I'm I'm hesitant to say that the state should force people into rehabilitation because I value personal liberty pretty much above anything else in this country. But at this, I mean, what's what's the alternative? Well, I mean, there are a couple other caveats here. Is that like right now in in certain bigger cities, like even in LA, I think they do have uh, needle exchanges. So they are combating that in, in, in one way where they will take your old needles and they will give you fresh needles. Like they're not giving you drugs or anything or, you know, saying it's okay to do it. They're just saying, we know you're doing this stuff. At least use clean needles and at least please take your needles back here and recycle them, which is a, a better way to, to do this. Um, but I, I just think that this wouldn't be a good idea in any place that hasn't completely decriminalized these drugs because essentially you're saying hey if you do it here you can skirt around the law so that's encouraging people to do it because it's like oh well i can just go over here and i don't have to care about the laws what's to stop law enforcement from just sitting out front of the door and anyone who attempts to walk inside or anyone who attempts to enter the premises or come onto the premises what's to stop them from arrest or you know detaining them for probable cause because, I mean, honestly, I, I'd wager that's probable cause. I see somebody walking purposefully to a building like this. I'm going to assume they have drugs on them. Public opinion is, is the, the only right. thing standing between a cop and doing that. It's just you'd probably, in this political climate, get crucified. Because uh, you're preying on, on poor people or something. Or you're preying on these poor people. Cops get crucified for breathing nowadays. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I just, I don't think this is the right solution, but I don't know enough about this kind of stuff to really say one way or the other if this is actually, uh, 
I mean, for for IV drug users, you know, it, it's saying uh, they found that fatal overdose rate in the area uh, decreased by one third after it opened. I mean, that's great. You know, we want to we want to save lives totally. But is this the price that we're willing to pay to save lives? I, it's just it, it's interesting to me. I don't necessarily think that this is the correct answer, um, but I'm also not the most learned on this subject. I just think if we're going to try something something like this, we need to try it in in Oregon, where it's you know already going to be legalized there to have it in you know personal possession and per, for personal use. I, I I don't think we need to do this in a city where it's it's supposed to still be illegal. That just doesn't make sense to me, and that goes back to the it's making something illegal legal in a little bitty space inside of a city that's just going to wreak nothing but havoc on the surrounding area. And not to mention again, you run into the, you know, like run into the issue of cops could just sit outside, you know, a couple blocks away and, you know, people are going to be walking from miles and miles away to come to this place every day and just start checking people. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to cause problems unless they're allowed to carry it around anyway. And yeah. I, I, I think in somewhere like Oregon, where this is going to get really bad for a while, I guarantee it with all the uh, with all the drug users coming in from other other states to, you know, be somewhere where it's not illegal, it's going to get bad at first. And I think some, something like this could help them kind of stem the bleeding at first um, and kind of help them give a little organization to it. But I don't think it's a good long term solution. I don't think it's a good, oh, this is going to fix everything because it's not. But, you know, maybe maybe such an off-the-wall solution like this might actually... Maybe it's actually what we need. Maybe it is, because just look at the, dr- the, the, the war on drugs. How effective has that really been? There are tens of thousands of young men who ended up in prison and who will be in prison for the foreseeable future and some of them for the rest of their lives because they got addicted to... Uh, an illicit substance. So, you know, why... Maybe maybe this is... Maybe this is part of a, of a bigger solution that, that we need to look into. Um, but I'm just... It's not something that I know enough about to really say one way or another. Um, I mean, I just... If, if you're addicted to something, get yourself help. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, people can be addicted to all sorts of things. I, I know I, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but I had read something about somebody in Australia, this uh, kid said or so, something that he was addicted to video games. He was playing two hours of video games every day. <laughs> and I just kind of laugh because I, I play way more than that, but I'm not addicted to playing video games. Or maybe I am, and I just don't realize it. I don't know. I like to play video games, but I don't need to be playing. I don't them think all it's an time. addiction because if it was an addiction on your wedding, you would have been like, "I'd rather be home playing video games." That's an addiction. Is like skirting off other important things that like for this other thing. I, I mean, I, I opened Clash of Clans uh, before before my wedding and raided somebody's village. That's about it. Didn't do much else. There wasn't the only village raiding going on that day. Right. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 
but no, uh, dude, I, I was tired we got home at like at, right after the wedding we went we went over to sonic because amber wanted some uh, uh she wanted mozzarella sticks and we're just sitting there getting mozzarella sticks and lady comes out and she's like did you got and she's like oh my gosh you guys are dressed all fancy and amber's like thanks we just got married and i'm just laughing like what the heck I was so happy to get home and get out of that monkey suit, though. Oh, God, I hate suits. I do, too. I look good in a suit, but God, I hate suits. But back on topic, I want to address one last thing on this on this whole... I don't even know what to call it anymore. <laughs> but uh, do you know... I mean, you were talking about uh, people getting clean and getting you know, getting themselves help. I, I do think that's what we need to do, and I actually think we need more funding for that. Cause as of right now, like, do you know what the like the waiting list for, for these kind of treatment places is? I mean, even in places like Canada where like the healthcare is free, it's gonna be a little longer. But you know, in Canada, the average wait time for a spot in a, kind of a rehab facility is like some somewhere on the, on the spectrum of three to six months to get in. Um, they, they do pay for all your expenses though, of course, and. You know, that's going to help people. They're going to get Suboxone. They're going to get, uh, was it methadone? That's going to help them with their withdrawal symptoms. Here in the U.S., you got to pay for that. So, like, unless you got the money, usually, it's not really easy to get off this stuff. Also, considering if you try to get off at cold turkey, those withdrawal symptoms are, like, things that make people kill themselves. <laughs> those things are nothing to, nothing to scoff at. So, I mean, I understand people who say it's hard. And, uh people who were like oh yeah I, I i know this is bad for me and i want to get off drugs but i just can't deal with the withdrawals um you know i i like to relate this to working out like working out people people say it's all willpower but i mean after a while of doing things it just kind of becomes second nature it's just like ingrained in your brain it, i mean it takes less and less willpower every time you make the choice to get up and go to the gym so i kind of am fighting in my head on at, at at what point does quitting an addiction like that not become willpower anymore like it, it's less willpower and more like do you actually want to give it up um so that's kind of where i go back and forth on is i i hear you people out there who have this problem i know it's going to be hard i know that the side effects of coming off are terrible um but we do have drug you know other drugs you can get to help come off these things and if you can't afford those at that point in time you just have to like ask yourself do you want to just buckle up and get this over with because technically these these withdrawal symptoms even though they manifest physically they're most powerful mentally like your mind thinks you're going through this and so it's putting you through these terrible feelings placebo that's that's what some of it is but some of it actually is your body goes into a physical withdrawal and oh, yeah. you, you, you get these extreme physical reactions. But at that point, I mean, if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. Okay, so if you want to get clean and you keep telling everybody you want to get clean, put in the effort, man, and just you just got to do it. And you'll thank yourself later. Um, I mean, in closing, I guess, all I got to add to that is, uh, back to an original point I made, you can't help people that don't want to help themselves. You know, and for the people that don't want to help themselves, the obvious answer 
isn't to just leave them be. I mean, you still want to help people even if they won't help themselves. But the question becomes, um, what can you really force someone to do? I don't think the state should be forcing people or the feds. I don't, I don't think the government in general should be forcing people into uh, rehabilitation. Um, you, you can't make somebody help themselves. Just kind of like you can't really help people who won't help themselves. You can't really force somebody to help themselves if they don't want to. So I'm hesitant that something like this is useful. I, I can see its merits, definitely. Um, but I would need to see more more information. And I think the only way that you can figure out if something like this works is to just try it. The war on drugs is obviously not working. We need some new idea, some new approach. And maybe this is it. Maybe my uh, biases are wrong on this. And maybe this actually is what we need to do to help these people and you know completely change our approach to this um but i i do think i am right to be hesitant about this i mean this is to, to someone like me who's i'm an extremely straight-laced guy uh this is very jarring to me and if i had a facility like this open up in my hometown i i would be very concerned and i would not want to drive around that area I would not want to be anywhere near this area because I would fear uh, that this would draw more crime. And maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, there are better minds out there thinking of the solutions to problems like these, and all I can do is uh, is hope that something like this actually does help people. At the end of the day, that's that's what I want. Yeah, I think at the moment we 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 don't have enough information on this, but uh, I am extremely interested in, in in the results of these trials they're putting out and what exactly the courts are going to say, and what the stats are going to be. You know, in in six months to a year's time, um, I think this is going to be something that we'll follow up on the future, and we'll def. I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to bring this back up, but uh, if it's a resounding success, awesome. If it's a complete failure, I'm not going to say I told you so. Because honestly, that's that's saying that on top of probably some bodies, but uh, hopefully we learn something. Here's hoping. All right, guys, we're about to get spicy in here. All so, right, it's getting rather orange already, so uh, you know it's going to be good. If it was Friday, I'd call this fake news Friday. That would be perfect. If only. But anyways, uh, so the article that uh, you should see on your screen right here. So Cuomo swipes at Trump after president threatens to withhold vaccine from New York. Uh, the Democratic governor said he trusts the companies developing vaccines, but not Trump. Uh, and this is by Michael Ruiz of Fox News. Uh, now I'm going to call you out right now, Mr. Ruiz. This is fake news, and you should feel ashamed for peddling this misinformation. I'm not saying, Fox News, that you need to fire this guy, um, but I'm telling you that this guy seriously needs to go to a journalistic ethics course or something uh, and learn how to do his damn job. What happened to fact-checking or proofreading? Like, even in high school, you read a paper, you got to cite things, and you got to make sure it's not false. I don't know. But but if you notice, there's, there's nothing... This doesn't say opinion. 
this is being reported as straight fact. And this is why I'm going to show you that Fox is fake news and that you should stop watching Fox News altogether. It's just garbage. Um, so New York Governor Andrew Cuomo claimed Americans don't trust President Trump in a series of televised interviews Friday after Trump threatened to withhold a potential coronavirus vaccine from New Yorkers. This is the lie right here. This is fake news. This is not real because... If you look over here, CNBC, and this is also published on Fox News. This is why Fox News is so trash now. I mean, they're, they're publishing both sides. This is actually the good thing is that they're publishing the correction over here. But, you know, where is where is any label on here that says this is wrong? Be because it is. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and play this video uninterrupted for just a little bit so that you can see what Trump actually said. Straight so don't Cheeto. Straight from the Cheeto himself. By vaccinating the elderly and the high risk, we will effectively end this phase of the pandemic and allow seniors to reclaim their golden years, the golden years of their lives, which is so incredible. And it's about time that they can have those golden years. Again, this process is starting right away. Millions of doses will soon be going out the door. They're all ready, waiting for that final approval. As soon as April, the vaccine will be available to the entire general population, with the exception of places like New York State, where, for political reasons, the governor uh, decided to say, and uh, I don't think it's good politically, I think it's very bad from a health standpoint, but uh, he wants to take his time on the vaccine. He doesn't trust where the vaccine's coming from. These are coming from the greatest uh, companies anywhere in the world, greatest labs in the world but he doesn't trust the fact that it's this White House, this administration. So we won't be delivering it to New York until we have authorization to do so. And that pains me to say that this is a very successful, amazing vaccine at 90% and more. But uh, so the governor, Governor Cuomo, will have to let us know when he's ready for it. Otherwise, we, we, can't, we can't be delivering it to a state that won't be giving it to its people immediately. And I know many, I know the people of New York very well. I know they want it. So the governor will let us know when he's ready. He's had some very bad uh, editorials recently about this, this statement and what's happened with respect to nursing homes and his handling of nursing homes. And I hope he doesn't handle this as badly as he's handled the nursing homes. But we're ready to provide it as soon as they let us know that they'll actually use it. And again, it's a very safe and, and a great vaccine. So, um, I'm not going to tell you what to think about that, but, uh, I mean, you, you heard it straight from Trump himself. This is, that that is literally what he said. Now, let's head back to the article. Let's head back to the fake news here, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep going through this. So, during remarks in the Rose Garden, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pause right here real quick and say, knowing my luck, they probably updated this article, so I'm about to look like a fool in a second. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, Trump said a vaccine will be widely available by April, with the exception of places like New York State, where for political reasons, the governor decided to say he wants to take his time with the vaccine. He doesn't trust where the vaccine is coming from. Cuomo has questioned the president's political motives and called for an independent review of the vaccine's safety and effectiveness before its release. He argued that would not create a delay if it occurred simultaneously with its delivery. 
Hours after Trump's remarks, the Democrat governor doubled down in media appearances Friday evening. Uh, New York Governor Cuomo, uh, this is reading from the Twitter right here, joined Katie Turr, NBC, uh, on MSNBC to react to President Trump's remarks claiming the coronavirus vaccine will not be delivered to New York to New Yorkers. None of what he said is true. Surprise, surprise. Um, if it's not true, it's literally what Trump said. Trump said that New, uh, Governor Cuomo doesn't want it. Uh, to the extent there is uh, skepticism about Trump and distrust of Trump and a belief that Trump politicized the public health process, which he did, um, this is opinion. Get your garbage opinion out of the news, please. Uh, that he politicized the NIH and the CDC and the FDA, which he did, and that spills over to the vaccine, these separate panels that states will have, will give those states confidence, Cuomo told uh, CNN's Anderson Cooper. New York is one of those states. There are about seven. It won't take any more time. I'm not convinced. When you add government bureaucracy to things, it inevitably slows things down because you're adding more red tape. What you want in a situation like this, as scary as it might seem, you want to take away some red tape sometimes. Um, but I mean, it's just, you, you get the idea here. So there are people that legitimately believe that Trump is trying to withhold the vaccine from New York. Um, if I actually Google that, Let's see. Got anything to add while I just look for something spicy? I mean, this just highlights a whole bigger problem we have with how do we fix the problem of fake news? Like, how do we fix, like, the people that are supposed to be keeping us informed are misleading us? I mean, you know, some people are going to say, oh, they're not doing it on purpose. Oh, they're going to retract it. They retract most things. This stuff shouldn't even get out. Like, there should be editors and reviewers and, like, this is not professional. And these are, you know, multi-million dollar companies at least. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it, it, it blows my mind how uh, people can unironically report things like this. Um, and Cuomo has... Uh, Cuomo has come out and he has said that he does he he, he is espousing anti-vaxxer talking points of all things. And I don't like anti-vaxxers. Um, but he's saying that he doesn't want people to get the vaccine. He said that before. Um, it's just silly. You know, and he wants to review it before it's even published. You know, or uh, not not published. Uh, he wants to review the vaccine before it's given to New Yorkers, but I don't necessarily think that that's a good idea. You know, the Democrats are the ones who are shaking in their boots, quivering about COVID. Um, and I just don't think it's that scary. I get yeah. the people are dying. I mean, it but... is kind of uh, kind of funny. How they're all gung ho to jump on the everyone like like mask mandate and shut down the economy again. The economy shutting down is killing people, and you're gonna say you're not gonna get a vaccine that may potentially lead to more deaths. 
because you think that it could be a bad vaccine or because you hate the Cheeto? I don't I, pick a side, please. I mean, they, they, they seriously call Trump orange Hitler. What? The, why did that trigger Siri? That's so weird. Whatever. All right, newsflash. Apparently, if you say Orange Hitler, Siri will listen. <laughs> Ain't that funny? Um, but this this kind of stuff is ridiculous. Um, Andrew Cuomo, you are garbage. You are a garbage human being, and you should feel bad for existing, if I'm quite honest. You are a political hack. You are an establishment crony. And if I lived in New York... I would get the hell out of there just to get away from you. I have zero interest in people who get into politics who just want to be famous and just want to make a name for themselves. I, I, I have zero respect for people who disregard anything and who start drama like this. I mean, he got into politics because of his name. Wasn't his dad also governor? Oh, I don't know. Who cares? He and his little brother on CNN or whatever. I mean, they're they're just they're jokes, man. Like, why people of New York? Why did you vote for this guy? And it, if you didn't, you know, good for you. But why would you stay there? Why would you? Why would you live in a state that you have such an idiot running it? You guys know that this this man is personally responsible for the deaths of thousands. He sent COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. The most vulnerable people, mind you, are the elderly and people with pre-existing conditions. And elderly with pre-existing conditions, oh, well, guess what you're going to find in a damn nursing home? You're going to find those kinds of people. They're the ones that have a 95% survival chance. People like you and me have a 99.99%. If we catch COVID, we're likely to just get a little bit sick and be fine. If they catch COVID, they're dead. A lot of them. You know, Cuomo killed a lot of people because of how terribly that he mismanaged this. Cuomo has shut down his state. They've shut down New York City. Who has any respect for this man? This entire situation is going to have some irreparable damages done to New York City, too. Um, it's like, a ghost town. Like, not just in the, you know, public health and, you know, people being dead, but I'm just saying that I, I think businesses are starting to realize that having their, their headquarters and all these giant offices and these huge centers of business like New York City is just not useful anymore. And people can work remote and they don't need to have everyone together in a and just these these big buildings. So no one's going to have their headquarters in these cities. What's going to happen to New York when all these businesses pull out? I don't know. But you know, COVID could be a blessing in disguise in a way. If COVID forces people to think more about politics and to think more about living in these gutter trash metropolitan areas... I think that's a good thing because you have people in New York City, you're living in you're living in cubicles stacked on top of each other. Why would you want to do that? You're emulating the environment that chickens live in. The chickens we raise to be eaten live in. 
it just I don't know. You know, live in a city that smells like sour milk. Literally, yes. Um, it just it blows my mind that the people in these cities vote for people like this, and you know when when New York City comes crumbling down because everyone has left because it's untenable to live there anymore. You know. I told you so. Get out of these big cities. You know, get out of these metropolitan areas. This is where rioting occurs. This this is, honestly, this is where a lot of the issue with the country is. It's in places like New York. It's in places like California. You know, it's in places like Portland, Oregon. You know, these big, dense metropolitan areas, they destroy people. I also don't think that these these cities really do any favors to our 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 governmental system and our like our way of representing our our people. Like I don't think having a million people in one tiny area, how do you represent all those million people? Like how is that even feasible? I it's, don't know. It's 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 hard enough in like towns like ours that are like what sixty thousand people. Like, you but know, you get a million people this problem here you know cuomo has there are real issues facing new york city facing new york as a whole and cuomo wants to get on national tv and cry about trump saying he's going to withhold the vaccine but trump isn't you didn't want it you want to review it before you allow it to come to your state is this considered rage baiting like, this is on your head, man. I don't know. If any video gets deleted, I wouldn't be surprised if it's this one. I mean, we're just talking about what's happening. Like, it's it's feasibly there. You can go look it up. Yeah, I, I mean this 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 is what this is what occurs. This this is what occurs in in, in New York. This is this is the man that the New York citizens voted for. This absolute clown. How would you vote for somebody like this? Yeah, to be fair, we kind of have, you know, have a clown for a governor, too. Yeah, but... The, 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 the thing with Bashir is... He's not a tool. He doesn't come off as one either, at least. And Cuomo, he's a tool. I mean, I I don't really have anything else to say in the, in this regard. I mean, I guess in closing, um, Cuomo, you really need to uh, act with the dignity uh, and respect that your office commands. You need to stop acting like a petulant child. And you need to take the lives of your state citizens seriously. Because as it stands, you are not. You are a failure, you are killing people, you have destroyed your economy, and you should feel bad about it. This kind of opens up a little line of questioning for me. Does it seem to you like it does to me where these these governors and politicians and all these people, it, it almost seems like they're playing a game. Like they act like they're playing a game 
that has zero stakes. And they're playing this game with the lives of the people they govern. And whenever like Cuomo or anybody else makes these decisions that inevitably end up killing people or hurting people's financial situation or things like that, like they don't care. Like they, they either, it doesn't hit them or they don't understand that all these people are hurting or they hear it and just hear numbers and hear, oh, my ratings. But do they not realize that like, you know, him, him putting those people in nursing homes, you killed people. Or whenever they talk about uh, like getting rid of some of you know, Trump's tax cuts or, or stuff like that, you're going to hurt people financially. You're going to cause people to, you know, go hungry in some cases. And all the, all they can think of is, oh, I'm winning against my political opponents. Oh, my side's winning now. How does that even, how is that even in the equation when you're dealing with such high stakes? It's rampant tribalism. These are the establishment elites. All they care about is power. To hell with you, your family, your legacy, everything. They don't care about you. All people like Cuomo want is power. Just look at AOC, a complete idiot. How does someone like that have office? Because she's in such a heavy Democratic-leaning area, they would vote in a glass of water if it had a D next to it. This is the kind of low-information voter that we're dealing with. People that would elect a glass of water. And AOC is like a perfect example of what I was talking about. And how do you represent all these people? The people that follow AOC and like AOC are the people that follow her on social media. And half of those people don't even like more than half those people, probably 90% don't even live in the district that she has any influence over. So like the people that are over here, you know, commenting, oh yeah, she's, she's the best. And, or that, you know, are, are agreeing with her stuff on social media that she touts to, and that she cites as being, you know, a positive thing for her. How does that even matter? You're Instagram famous. You're not, you're not a good politician. You know, part of this makes me wonder, and, and I've often said it and joked about it before, but it makes me wonder if I ever really should try to run for some kind of political office. Do I really want to be a politician? Absolutely not. But do I want to try to make the country a better place? Absolutely. Uh, the, the issue is, is... I don't want to become somebody like this. So. I feel like that's that's, what we need, though. We need people who didn't want this responsibility that they just felt like nobody else was going to do it. So they did it. So you're not there because, oh, it pays this much a year. I can get contracts in with people. You're in there because I'm sick of the crap they're forcing down our throats. I'm sick of the way that they don't pay attention to us. They don't care about us and our families. And someone needs to listen. And if I go in there and I do that, I can do better. And guess what? If you go in there and you turn into one of them, you have to look at yourself in the mirror every day, not me. Yeah, I I have nothing else to add there. I I think that's perfect. All right, so we took a minute to calm down, right? You know, you you took a walk. Had had to walk the dog. That... That that last section was a little, little, little heated. Told you it's gonna be spicy. Yeah, I don't like Andrew Cuomo. I don't like politicians. But uh, I think we'll lighten this up a little bit. Um, so, told y'all, I was, I was watching a movie the other day, right? Um, 
no spoiler alert for anybody right now. This is just high level at the moment. But uh, there's this movie called Apostle. I saw it on Netflix. I thought it seemed pretty cool. And uh, it was actually a really, really solid movie. Uh, I don't think it was very high budget, but it uh, it got me thinking. It, like, completely outlined the reason that I don't like organized religion. Because, uh, you know... Okay, spoiler alert now, just a little summary. In the movie, there's kind of like a cult that lives on this island. And they worship this deity that apparently, like, saved them on this island. Like, the founding members crashed or shipwrecked there. And there was apparently some deity they saw that saved them and uh, gave them, like, bountiful harvests and things like that. And so they set up there. They're a couple hundred members strong now. They've got a community. And there's this noble or rich guy in England. And uh, his daughter got taken. Well, his son was formerly a... uh, like a clergyman for like the Catholic church and had gone off and tried to, uh, tried to like preach to Asian countries and things like that. Anyway, he, he found out and his dad sent him over there to like sneak in and try to figure out if their sister was still alive. Cause they were trying to ransom her back cause they needed money. And so he sneaks on there and he finds out that these people it's essentially an island controlled by three dudes that are three heads of the church. And they controlled everything. Like, nobody did anything without their say-so. Like, you, you went indoors at a certain time. There was no questioning what they thought. And they would preach every day. And they would preach this, I just what I thought was, like, just utter BS into people's heads. And, the, like, the farther and farther this guy got in there, started seeing all what they were doing, they, uh... He, he started to realize that there was actually a, like he, he ended up figuring out there, there was actually a deity and it was, she was actually real. And they, one of the second in command guy had actually corrupted what she was trying to teach them and started like feeding her human remains and like blood and stuff and making people do blood sacrifices to her. Cause it forced growth on the Island, but yet it wasn't what, they were supposed to do so they like misconstrued the word of their their deity because they thought that's what it was supposed to be and it ended up poisoning the island and like they ended up like murdering people and like the king of england was sending assassins to kill everyone so it just got me thinking it was like you know these people that are running all these all these religions and stuff how do you know they're even telling the truth like that's 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 been my my big point from like the beginning is you know we went to Catholic school, like how do you know these people aren't just BSing, and this isn't just the biggest game of telephone you've ever seen in your life. We're not just just parroting things and um and then there's like don't even get me started on like the hypocrites and people who just blindly you know say they're they're one thing but act another way. Like, religion's full of that. And this movie just got me thinking about that again and kind of re-brought up these feelings about how just dirty religions are. Well, I thought this wasn't going to get spicy, but then you made it spicy. 
No, but that was just, I mean, it's just how it went. It's just, I watched this movie and I was like, oh man, Catholic's cool. I had like chills and flashbacks. So I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I, I guess I'm going to preface my remarks uh, by saying um, I am an atheist. I do not believe in any God. That is my definition of, of my atheism. Um, I don't believe that there aren't gods. I just don't believe that. Well, okay, I'm, I'm getting off topic here. Doesn't that make you agnostic? I don't necessarily, I don't believe that there are any gods. I'm not saying that there aren't any. I'm just saying I don't believe. Doesn't that still make uh, you agnostic? No, I don't believe so. Um, because I don't even think. I don't even think if God came down in front in front of me himself and decided to try to talk to me, uh, I don't think I would worship something like that. I have a uh, I have a very high opinion of myself sometimes, and uh, now I'm not saying I can't be wrong about something. I fully understand that I can be wrong about stuff, uh, but. I think you kind of have to take a step back and look at things objectively from time to time. Um, I'm not going to knock on religion. I think if it makes you feel good and it makes you a better person, more power to you. But I think religion is often used as a convenient excuse to commit atrocities. Uh, just look at jihad, for instance, with uh, Muslims look at the crusades from catholicism uh look at a lot of native american cultures where they would sacrifice people um the greeks and romans would sacrifice people as well um there's a lot religion is like the original the og establishment as it were um people would get into it for power and a lot of the popes uh, of the Catholic Church were objectively terrible, horrible people uh, with enough money back in, like, uh, Venice, I believe it might have been, or something like that. But the point is, you could, buy the, you could buy the papacy. You didn't have to be religious at all. And the pope's word was law. You're talking uh, like the Medici family in that, that time yeah. period. Yeah, the Medicis. Um you know, and there, there's a problem with people just believing things blindly. Um, I have no, I have no gripe with people who genuinely believe in religion and use it as their reason to do good. The issue that I have is with people who, uh, it, it's basically uh, um, the the Sunday Catholics, as it were. Um, People that are horrible all throughout the week. They gossip. Uh, they trash talk about people. Um, they're rude. They're just not not good people. And then they go to church on Sunday and, you know, pray, I guess. And they think it absolves them of all their sin. Um, I'm may, Maybe I'm a realist, but I think that if there is a God, I don't think he's going to care if you worship him. I don't think God, I don't think a God would be such a vain creature that it would care 
if such an insignificant being such as myself were to worship it, I think an all-powerful deity would probably care more about how I lived my life. Was I a decent person? Did I create more harm than good? You know, things things like that. Um, you know, I, I don't... Religion isn't something that I necessarily care to talk about too much, uh, largely just because there's there's a lot of unknowns because it's faith. You can't prove a lot of this stuff. Um, and then people will claim personal anecdote, and they'll claim that that's proof. Uh, I'm sorry. Personal anecdote cannot be used as proof for damn near anything. I don't care if you say that you saw Jesus. You likely are unable to prove that you did. And until you come back to me with photo, video, evidence, and all that fancy stuff, I'm not going to believe you did. You can say you did, but I'm not going to believe you. Um, so I think religion, uh, I guess to kind of draw this back to the, to the point that you originally made, now that I'm going to get down off of my soapbox here, um, a lot of people just have blind faith in things, and they don't really think about things. Uh, they do as they're told, and they don't ever think much different. Um, how do you think the Nazis were able to gain power? How do you think that, you know, uh, the communists all around the world were able to gain power? People don't want to be the other. So people are more willing to fall in line and behave a certain way when it's expected of them. And I'm not saying that you, you know, have to believe something or don't have to believe something, but I, I think, I think you need to be very careful with things like this. Um, and people need to be careful about religion in general. I really do enjoy studying religion. I, I think it's, I think it's fascinating to understand why people believe what they believe. Um, and I have wonderful conversations with believers, but no one has ever really been able to, I guess, as it were, convince me uh, that I should believe these things and take these things to heart and to act a certain way. Um, I am my own person, and I'm going to act how I see fit according to my personal moral compass. So... I'm not going to be brainwashed by religion, whereas you do have some people that, that are that do get brainwashed. But, I, I mean, all you have to do is just look at intersectional feminism and what's turned into uh, critical race theory to see that it doesn't even have to be religion for somebody to be brainwashed. So, I guess... Indoctrination is a bad thing. To, to, to make a very obtuse point uh, to, to, to kind of bring that back into focus. Man, you made my first little bit sound like the uh, the delusional rantings of a madman. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, just, just, just to clarify kind of the same way you did, um, I'm agnostic. I'm not atheist, per se. Um, I do believe there's probably something, you know, bigger than us out there. Don't know if it created us. Don't know if it cares about us, you know. But, uh... I would like to be proven wrong. I'm still waiting for the day that, you know, I get a good enough argument, but, uh, I also enjoy looking into religion, but again, I have 
many many issues with the establishment of religion and the uh the 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 sheer power to corrupt that they hold and have utilized in the past um but i do think that people who are able to like completely throw themselves into believing something and doing something for the good of every of everyone else just because you know you think that's going to make your god happy and that's what you're supposed to do i admire that i admire people who are able to just do that um it's awesome but didn't want to make this too religious or anything it just kind of brought it up to me watching this movie thought it was something worth chatting about for a minute Definitely. i'd like i I'd, I'd, I'd like to spin this into a much much more fun movie that i saw called hashtag alive i don't know if you've you've heard of it it's a netflix movie I'll be honest with you. The last movie I watched was Moana. It was a great movie, by the way. I really enjoyed it. As did I. A um, lot of that's that's the 20, 24 at the time. Year old man talking. Completely enjoyed that movie. But uh, I just watched it like two, three months ago. So all I can say is, uh, what can I say except you're welcome. I'd sing it, but man, I'm not really good at singing. Yeah, I'm not either. The Rock didn't sing that either. So, um, did he not? No, apparently there's people saying that. I'm I'm not gonna get into that right now. Um, oh. so hashtag alive. Oil hat. Would would really recommend people watching it. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I would. I really preferred the original. I think it was Japanese version. Don't hate me, Asians. It was either Japanese or Korean. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? I think I think most of our viewership, if I've looked at the numbers properly, uh, we got viewership in the Czech Republic and the United States. I didn't see any other countries in our. They could be of Asian descent, sir. Um. Anyway, don't hate me. One of those, but I in its native language was much better. I hated the dubbed. Okay, the dubbed made me stop watching the dubbed version and seek out the original. But it was it was actually one of the first movies that I've seen about a zombie apocalypse that did the whole, you know, we'd all be kind of screwed thing correctly. Uh, most people, most of these movies kind of fantasize about it. Like, oh yeah, we're all just going to hold up with guns and we'll all be, we'll all be fine. It's whatever. The zombies are just going to shamble around and you just take them out with a baseball bat a la Walking Dead. But, uh, no, man, this one was like, you don't realize, well, did you go grocery shopping for enough food to last you a month? I didn't think you did. Um, what happens if they ended up remembering how to use tools? I mean, I, it's it's not like they become a completely different person. It's just, you know, this one was just a virus that kind of like rabies that kind of made you hyper aggressive and, um, I mean, you're still the same person. So, like, like a fireman could still know how to climb a rope. Uh, people still know, still knew how to use doors. It's just so ingrained in your brain that uh, didn't really leave. So it just kind of really, really made me happy in the fact that it was just this this kid and in like in his parents' apartment. His parents left. He was alone for like 15 days. I mean, he he, he tried to kill himself at one point in time just because he was starving. Like that's that's the part of a zombie apocalypse. No, like no movie ever really gets right. Is like, yeah, they sh- they show people as hungry, but that's probably what's going to kill a lot of people. Is if you're smart enough to stay, 
stay in your your apartment or your house and you didn't prep for this you didn't buy a bunch of food man starvation's gonna start hitting you and what about once the water the water turns off in the city you're gonna get real thirsty and so it's just the like the things no one thought about that's an interesting way to explore it i think um it was fantastic but i also do have a gripe with it um and that's uh at least in nature the few uh zombie-like things that we see are uh fungi that turn ants into uh uh well a walking bomb basically yes um, all that it's creepy yep the ant becomes infected it, it goes up real high and then it explodes and spreads the spores spreading the the, the fungus uh infecting more ants causing more zombies i i mean it's it's basically, you know, that's one of the things that we've seen in nature. We haven't necessarily, to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever seen anything quite like the uh, very stereotypical zombie virus that we see in uh, movies in general. Um, but if we if we think about it a little bit, we could probably guess that if a zombie virus were to actually ever occur, uh, is it actually a virus? Well, you know, what, whatever. We're just going to call it the zombie virus, zombie plague, something like that. Point is, whatever this organism is that's causing this effect, this zombification, its main goal is reproduction. Um, that's everything's goal. Everything that exists, aside from uh, a couple of incels, I suppose, they, they want to reproduce um it is a biological urge that is basically in everything everything wants to reproduce so this virus plague whatever you have it's going to try to reproduce so how is it going to try to reproduce well if it's like a flu virus or something uh it could be airborne um and if if a zombie plague was airborne uh depending on the infectious rate uh well, it's game over. We're all zombies. There, there's no stopping something like that. If it's if it's half as effective as COVID, it's spreading. There'd be no stopping it. Yeah, but you got to factor in burnout and stuff like that too. Sure, uh, but then if it's like rabies and it only spreads via saliva, uh, and you know, getting bitten and exposure to your bloodstream, um, you have a, a virus that doesn't make any sense how it spreads. Um, and I've seen this before in, I, I think, uh, The Walking Dead, they, it can spread via bite. Um, well, you know, the, like the, like the big reveal to The Walking Dead that wasn't like season two, uh, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen season two of The Walking Dead, where have you been? I mean, I know it got crappy after like season 10 or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, anyway, that like everyone was infected and that you know it, it was like in the air but it only activated whenever like after you died yeah i think i remember seeing that um so the thing is like if if the virus just spreads via saliva it basically like rabies does um it's going to burn through its hosts and it'll die out so it wouldn't really cause you know the zombie the zombie plague or whatever. I'd havoc on like New York or like big cities like that where you're all packed in like sardines. Even still, 
just because you get bitten by a dog with rabies, does that necessarily mean that you're going to get rabies? I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I don't know the information about rabies that. Rabies is pretty infective, uh, but it just has like an incubation period of like weeks. Um, but it's, it's fatality and it's infectivity is very, very high. Um, and you know, now let's, let's assume that whatever this virus is, it is really infectious. It is really good about propagating between hosts and it is very good at surviving. Okay. Granted. Lots of zombies now. Well, if the zombies are stereotypically accurate uh in that they're stupid mindless and they just walk around and are attracted to noise um just wait about two weeks and it'll be over because you'll have cell death um i don't care how your zombie virus is designed or whatever unless you're getting food the muscles in your body uh your joints will fail very fast if you're not getting any food, if you're not getting any rest, if you're constantly exposed to the elements. If the zombie apocalypse started in the middle of winter, it'd be over the next day. Um, you're just going to have massive tissue death, and the zombies aren't going to be able to move. And even if you presuppose some form of magic where the zombies are able to, you know, not still somehow move, um, eventually you're going to run up against thermodynamics. Where are the zombies getting the energy to move? They're not eating any people anymore because all the people who could have been eaten are eaten. You know, now you've got a small enclave of survivors somewhere. The zombies are going to eventually stop moving because of cellular metabolism. There won't be any metabolism to create energy. Yeah, I think a lot of movies try to, like, kind of base that off of stasis and all that and try to, like, extend a little longer because they go into, like, hibernative states. And it just that that's always a little... Granted, oh, now you've gained a, a couple of months to maybe a year. Point is, you hold out and you'll get through it. You know, but then then you also think of the uh, how fun would it be to armor up a truck and ram through some zombies in a in a souped up armored truck? That could be therapeutic. Yeah, I, I, I remember, for instance, in high school, you and I had planned out an entire zombie apocalypse survival thing like what we would do where we'd go how we do it and that got me nominated most likely to survive a zombie apocalypse in high school it was so fun though um it's just fun to think about stuff like that i suppose but on the same token i'll be perfectly honest i don't think we'll ever i don't think a zombie disease would work uh i don't yeah think I, don't, I mean i don't either it's i i don't think it would be a, like a, a world-ending uh, event also considering the exposure that 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 thought has been in people's heads and you know in movies everyone's like oh what is this uh, the the second a dude in, in florida bit another guy's face off everyone was like zombies and you know <laughs> we're not ignorant i mean um, look florida is full of some crazy people it's full of florida man yes but honestly you think for an instance that the zombie virus or whatever would spread in Florida? Man, there's 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 so many gators down there. They'd have a field day. They would eat everybody. And you think a zombie's going to be able to take on a gator? Good luck. That would be a really good experiment. What was that show on History Channel? They used to like pit like 
animals against each other, kind of like Deadliest Warrior, but for nature? Oh, dude, I don't know, but I, I feel like I feel like I have like a a deep memory of that somewhere. I mean, if I, I mean, it was definitely a thing. Like, it would put like a shark against an alligator or stuff. I want to see zombie versus alligator. That would zombie. be fantastic. Look, you'd have to have at least like five or six, maybe even more zombies to even stand a chance. Because the one zombie, the gator's just gonna grab it by the leg and barrel roll and completely destroy it. Yeah, what if the leg like like snaps off though, and then it's just like you know gonna try to beat it with its own leg or something? And here's another idea for the zombie apocalypse. Um, wouldn't it make sense to just hunt the zombies and eat them? Like, can you eat an animal that had rabies? I guess if you cook it well enough. I'm pretty sure if you cook anything, what is it like above 160 degrees? 165. This is this is a question that needs googling. Can you can eating meat of a rabbit animal give you rabies? Uh, we're told to cook our chicken through to the bone to avoid salmonella. Then there too is blah blah blah. Don't care. Not all diseases. What about rabies? Unfortunately, rabies is much more common, especially among smaller animals. What about an animal a hunter obtains? What if that animal's rabbit, perhaps being relatively early in the course of the disease? Is this meat safe to eat? Can it be made safe? Uh, the good news is rabies is not a prion-driven disease. It is usually in introduced by bite through the saliva of a rabbit animal. The saliva contains neurotropic lysovirus. It is important to know the symptoms exhibited by a rabbit animal. Even though rabies does not involve a prion agent and the virus is destroyed uh by thorough cooking rabies is still a progressive and frequently fatal disease no one should eat the meat uh so you shouldn't but they're saying you can cook it out you can cook it out so it is we're gonna barbecue some some zombies man god you know i'm gonna call this video barbecuing zombies and religious zealotry it sounds pretty good it sounds like an episode of the walking dead right <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. They should pay us for this idea. <laughs> just I'm saying. Just, I'm just gonna say Netflix. Um, you want to talk? You, you you can email me. I'm I'm game. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's make a how to survive the zombie apocalypse survival guide uh, TV series, and we'll barbecue some damn zombies. Let's do this. You think about this scientifically. Mesquite wood. Applewood, cherry wood. Oh man, Applewood smoke zombie. Applewood smoke. Uh, can you, can you make bacon from people? Isn't like bacon just like belly fat of a pig, like the fatty belly area? So I guess it's reasonable that you could make zombie jerky or zombie bacon. I mean, as long as you didn't get like a super super lean person, like you know bodybuilder esque. Man, you gotta admit, it'd be pretty funny to see a fat zombie. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's that's all you'd see in the beginning. It's the slow one. Zombieland, man. Cardio. Cardio. Rule number one. Cardio. Yeah. If you cannot run it, you're dead. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, maybe the zombie apocalypse would be a good thing. Who knows? I mean... I know most people would say this, and everyone's like, oh, no, you'd probably die anyway. I would have fun, okay? It, it, it'd be uh, freaky at first, but if I survived long enough, I'd end up having fun. 
I'm going to retract that statement. The zombie apocalypse would not be fun because the only people to survive would be Democrats. They don't have a brain. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Probably offensive my ass. <laughs> Definitely offensive. Definitely offensive podcast today. We are... <laughs> <laughs> we need to have different segments. This is the definitely offensive podcast. Thank you for thank you for coming. Oh, oh man. man, that's <laughs> this is good. See, I like conversations like this, just a little less stressful. Uh, yeah, even though the beginning portion was a little stressful still, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> you know, you know what uh, religious zealotry and barbecuing zombies has in common though? They could both be a good thing. I don't know. They're both talked about unironically by us two idiots. This is the sad fact of our lives, sir. Yes. This, this is the sad <laughs> state that our lives have come to. We are talking to our to each other via the interwebs, being listened to by dozens of people. Yes, dozens. And uh, we're talking about religious zealotry and barbecuing zombies with Applewood. Yeah. God, oh, I love oh. my life. So, so how would you how would you go about preparing it though? Like, so we, we already know how you're gonna cook it, but like, what do you season the zombie with? I mean, I think you'd probably you know you'd 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 want to get rid of some of the you know kind of like the uh, I don't know what you call it like do you smoke it not infected you... meat, but you definitely want to like fillet off the skin, right? You don't want skin; skin's gross. You want um, natural, free range zombies. I mean, definitely organic. Only brain fed. Only brain fed. You don't want brain finished because that's just a cop out. It could be eating anything else. But and please do not mistake your zombies for Democrats. They are very hard to tell the difference, I assure you. They both kind of sound the same. Right? Kind of droning <laughs> on, you know, very limited vocabulary. Oh, man. But uh, I just think one doesn't hate orange people. Yeah. I'd, oh, man. You know, what happens to the president during a zombie apocalypse? Has that ever been explored in a movie? I feel like that'd be a pretty easy thing to explore, though. Like, it'd be probably the same as any other terroristic event or anything like that. It's it's quarantine president in bunker. Um, send people out that aren't president to see what the climate's like. And uh, wait till said event is over. I mean, do they just keep like securing the president food and stuff and does the president just stay in the white house and the snipers just have do they start barbecuing zombies i mean hell if they weren't paying me enough i'd just be like yeah i'm hungry <laughs> just sitting on top of the white house with like a i don't know like a, like, a, like a 308 just like man is it lunchtime you know, yet if the zombie apocalypse happened i think i know the one thing that would upset trump the most about it no more big macs no more. Ah, uh, but he can still have steak and ketchup. He can make zombie steak with ketchup. Okay. Okay. Granted. Well done, zombie steak with ketchup. I'd imagine zombie jerky would be pretty popular, honestly. I'd also imagine that you couldn't get a zombie steak uh, rare. I, I, I don't think you'd want to risk that one. No, but you'd have to get a relative. You'd probably have to get a relatively fresh zombie, so there's not too much tissue decay. You can cut around that. I mean, they do age steaks, right? 
So we're going to dry age our zombies now? Yeah, you know, you just like leave it out for a little while and you cut off the uh like cut off the decay and the mold and stuff. I just had a wonderful wonderfully hilarious idea of of someone building some kind of trap where you lure a bunch of zombies into and they basically like fall into this dry age pit as it were, just full of like salt and other spices to kind of like draw the draw the moisture out to dry age the meat. That's just the perfect example of like work smarter not harder like just because it's a zombie apocalypse it doesn't mean you got to do everything the hard way yeah live a little i mean it's like driving buffalo off a cliff the native americans did that crap that's the thing they're that dumb that they'll run off a cliff yeah man you can drive bison off a cliff oh wow you got a couple crazy crazy creatures running on two legs with pointy spears that throwing at you you're just gonna keep running away (laughs) you're not gonna look at what's in front of you (laughs) <laughs> I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah. So I dig we, it. So we covered re- religious zealotry, zombie apocalypses, and some culinary stuff. Yeah. How to barbecue your zombies. People, if 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 you don't get what you're looking for in this, I don't know what else we can give you. We covered all the important topics. Yeah, it's all it's all downhill from here, folks. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but uh, like, how do you even how do you even talk about anything better than this? I, mean, I guess you could like mix them together and like I don't know, maybe throw in how long do you think Nancy Pelosi was surviving a zombie apocalypse, or would she still be able to get her her gelato? Or uh... I know what we should talk about next. We should talk about uh, role playing games. That, that, right. That'll be that'll be a fun conversation. Well, on that note, um, we, on will, the next segment. we will end this conversation, and we will see you guys in uh, in Dungeons and Dragons world. So, see ya. As you can Roll see, finish. Dungeons and Dragons D and D on the screen. This is gonna be good. So. For anyone who does not know, for the real uninitiated, qu- for the uninitiated, uh, Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop RPG um, with some dice, some paper, and a group of friends. Uh, you can just go on fun adventures. Um, you get about you get as much out of it as you put in. The more you're willing to put in, uh, you're going to get a lot more enjoyment out of this kind of stuff. Um, but we've been playing D&D for uh, probably uh, coming up on three years. We've, we've been playing uh, off and on. Minus the COVID break. Yeah, well, yeah, minus the COVID break. Um, but we've, uh, we've, uh, we started playing with uh, D&D 5th uh, edition. So uh, all you 3.5 gen or 3.5 edition or 1st gen or first edition people, uh, you know. Well, forget you. 5e is pretty fun. Um, honestly, I, I love D&D. Um, it allows you to be imaginative. It allows you to have a lot of fun with your friends. Um, it's good fun. It's really good fun. Um, you can just... You can do anything you want, really, within reason. You know, the only thing you're limited by is uh, the Dungeon Master, of course. Gets those creative juices flowing, lets you express yourself in uh, 
possibly ways that were not not approved by society, but your group of friends won't care. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there there is a reason why um, Dungeons & Dragons is pretty much the basis for any role-playing game ever. It all... I think, like, EverQuest was some of the first stuff that uh, was, like, the first MMO or something like that, or the first MMORPG. Uh, point is, like, it's it's all... Eventually, it all kind of derives straight from Dungeons and Dragons. Um, yeah, it's to create your own adventure. Yeah, and it's uh, it's really quite awesome. Um, and I really, really recommend that you uh, anybody look into uh, playing it. Um, you have things like uh, Roll Twenty. So this this you can actually play online. Um, you can play online with people and it's COVID friendly. yeah, it's COVID friendly. You don't have to ever leave your house, um, with a good DM. I mean, you can get, you can get some crazy stuff. Um, so I guess what I really wanted to talk about when it comes to, uh, D and D is, uh, I guess just kind of like talk about how something like this has impacted my life. Um, like I said a little bit before, uh, Preston and I, we've, we've been playing off and on for about three years. Um, we made new friends doing this. Um, lots of laughs. Uh, oh, God. Lots of inside jokes. Uh, the creation of the greatest character in RPG history in the form of Soupy. Um, Preston, if you want to... <laughs> If you want to explain Soupy for a moment, since you were a player at the time. Okay, so Soupy. Soupy is probably the amalgamation of mostly, you know, our, our, our buddy Robbie's thoughts here. And uh, Soupy was, uh, well, Soupy was a soup at one point in time. And uh, Soupy just so happened to be uh, Goblin Soup, I think, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, he was he was Goblin Soup. And uh, one of our players, um, upon thinking this was so delicious and uh, nutritious and consuming vast quantities of it, um, didn't he decide that he wanted to make this soup his friend and try to put it back together? So I think what he did is, I think he cast, like, Resurrection on it or something yeah. like that. Because... Uh, Inside of this, inside of this cauldron, was a goblin. Um, he had been basically thrown in this stew, um, you know, vegetables and everything else in there. You know, your stereotypical carrots and whole potatoes sitting in there, and then you had some gob, a bit of goblin swirling around in there. And uh, our buddy Robbie decides that he's going to taste test it. And then he decided to revive it. Uh, I think I don't remember what spell he cast. I don't remember what level you all were. But he cast uh, resurrection on this pot of stew. And I says to myself, as the dungeon master at the time, "This is so cool and so funny. I don't care if this is rule friendly or not. I let him have it." I let him revive the goblin 
in the oh and how funny is that the the creature on roll 20 right here is a goblin it's kind of funny the goblins aren't very strong mind you they're they're very weak creatures uh but I let him revive the goblin, and the goblin comes crawling out of the soup bowl, not understanding what the hell's going on. And they all, they they collectively decided to name this funny little creature Soupy. And then we put him in a backpack, and we carried him around with us. I think someone stuck him in a bag of holding so he wouldn't decay, right? Yeah, Daniel put him in a bag of holding so he wouldn't decay anymore. Um, yeah, so stasis. But uh, I think goblins have to breathe, so I'm pretty sure we killed him. Uh, again. <laughs> I I had to message Robbie. I don't know if, you, if you're looking at the group chat, but I had to message him and tell him that we're talking about him and Soupy. You know, I'm pretty sure my phone's on D&D, &D, so it, it's not going to... I, I had I had to message him and tell him with with all the crazy stuff that's been going on with this guy. Robbie is just crazy. There are some uh, there, there's there's some memorable moments. I mean, from from Soupy to like 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 the Curse of Strahd stuff, where he murdered a priest and went all bloodlusty, and it was yeah. Robbie made D and D great. He was. <laughs> such he, he was the wild card he was the monkey wrench and if you play D, &D you will find that you will have a group member who will become the monkey wrench i, I swear to you if you ever dm a game of dungeons and dragons don't plan too much that's that's the biggest mistake don't over plan don't railroad your players i learned that the hard way all you have to do is just make Make a loose framework and let your monkey wrench player go around and break things. It's so fun. Yeah, that was probably the biggest takeaway I had from ever running a, you know, running a campaign or a session was just that no matter how many things you think are possible with the scenarios you create, there's going to be that player that thinks so far out of the box, you're like, oh, hell. Uh, my, yeah, my, my, my favorite thing... Um, this was off the most recent campaign that we had done before we ended up taking a break because uh, I got way too busy with my new job. Um, I don't know how well you remember it, but I remember this very well, and I'll, I'll explain this to anyone listening. So, uh, my 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 players were uh, they were on a mountain, and they were I think they were looking for something in a in abandoned ruins or whatever, and uh, there was a giant. Oh yeah. And, and instead of fighting and trying to kill the giant, which, mind you, at the time, I think they were all, like, level three. Yeah, so this, this, this been is my a, moment, by the way. I did this. Oh, yeah. This would have been a deadly encounter. A group of five level three players taking on a giant it was very improbable. Um, but the giant wasn't necessarily put there to have them fight it. The giant was put there as an obstacle to see how they would react to it. And Preston decides, he realizes his character can speak giant. So what he does, uh, and you might actually want to explain this instead, if you, if you remember it well. Um, I had a chit-chat with him, okay? I just wanted to talk. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I popped out, and I was just like, hey, what's going on? Uh, he asked like what like what we were there for and why we were here in his in his very simplistic giant way of asking things, um, 
And I just kind of tried to defuse the situation, you know, just tell them we were, you know, passing through and then try to get him off subject. So, like, that was my main goal was to get him off the subject of why we were here and get him onto the subject of something else, <laughs> anything else. So, and that anything happened to involve female giants. And apparently, um, we figured out he was so keen on, on, on female giants and the fact that he didn't like his wife or whatever she was, because uh, she was mean and naggy, and that there were we, we, we convinced him there were other female giants in a town that was the exact opposite way of the way we were going to go. And literally just pointed that way and, and told him. And he was asking us how far it was. And I was I was just spitballing here, okay? I was trying to roll deception. I was I was doing whatever I could to not get us picked apart. So it worked. And we sent him off in a direction to find his, I guess, giant lovers uh, or his, his, his harem of, <laughs> of female giants. Um, and then we met his wife and had to figure out how to tell her that we sent her husband off to find some, some side piece. Uh, that wasn't very easy. That one almost got us killed. And uh, we, 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 we managed to defuse that, okay? So we kind of talked her down and made her realize it was his fault. And I think she followed him, actually. I think, yeah, I, I, if I remember correctly, I think you blamed the entire thing on him. Said that he was talking to you and said that, like, how much he hated his wife and how he was going to go to the north and find another giant and... She got like really upset and really angry, and uh, I don't I don't remember if we had her follow off after him or if she. I think she tried to attack you guys, but I think you guys outwitted her by rolling in a cart down the mountain, and you yep. got away from her because you rolled way too fast. Yep, uh, but I do think that she ended up going the same way as he did because I remember when, when we got back to town. I think it was Daniel that mentioned this, but he was like, hey, isn't there actually a village in the direction that we pointed them to? And it turns out there was. And so apparently I had just sent two really pissed off giants, well, one really pissed off giant and one very horny giant um, directly toward a town. And it was probably not going to live through it. Well, spoiler alert, they died. So, not the giants, the people. Yeah, so not on, not only am I a home wrecker, I also caused an entire village to die. Uh, uh, but that's okay. But we got what we wanted. So, you know, I I, I guess uh, to to talk more about the topic as a whole with uh, with role playing games in general, um, it's really fun to imagine yourself as someone else in a different world in a different reality. Uh, with, with different, different rules, rules and limitations, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a perfect form of escapism in a way. You know, and, and there might be people laughing at the idea of two grown men playing Dungeons & Dragons, but, you know, honestly, the haters gonna hate. It's fun. It really is. I wish I had known about Dungeons & Dragons when I was younger, because I really didn't. Um, I guess I kind of always knew it existed, but I didn't really understand it. 
until one day I'm just thinking like, I want to play it. And I started talking to a couple of my friends and then lo and behold, I find Robbie. And uh, Robbie's pretty much the reason why we played. Um, great guy. He had all the books. He had all the know-how. He was a, he was ready and willing to teach a whole bunch of new players how to play the game. And honestly, it's I mean it's so much fun. Um, so it's it's great in a way because you kind of just get to escape from the real world. Put your life on pause for a couple hours and play as something else. And you may think that beginning part sounded like a lot though, but that was just like dipping our toe in. Like we went full bore. Like we're 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 going full bore nowadays. Oh yeah. Um you know, and you, you can make you can make a complex backstory, you can make a simple backstory. It doesn't matter. Your character needs a couple things uh that I would deem absolutely important like you you absolutely have to have these these aspects in a character uh your character has to have a drive what what do they want um that's that's the absolute big thing and then you have to build a personality yes i might have a drive to be the greatest pokemon trainer in the world but what's my personality like am i a whiny 10 year old that's a personality, believe it or not. You know, it's it's it, there's just so there's so many ways that you can experience a tabletop RPG like Dungeons and Dragons, and then there's also other types of uh, tabletop RPGs. Um, one of the other great ones that we've uh, played is uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Fantastic! Um, Absolutely it's... fantastic! Cannot recommend enough. Ten out of ten. We'll play again. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's basically like... Uh, oh, man, I might have to set this far enough so it just says, uh, what monster will you be? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure, give me your cookies. Oh, I'm the cookie monster. Anyways. Actually, no, this is Bloodlines. What the hell is Bloodlines? I don't care about this. Vampire hey, the hey, 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 don't, 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 don't say that, okay? Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 is coming out, and I'm going to buy it. And it looks fantastic. You'll have to tell me how it is. Just because uh, Anthony got us addicted to this crack that we call <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. And this you know, it even has a battle royale in that game, and I'm not put off. In every game that's had a battle royale, I've been like, Ugh. but I want to play this so bad that I'm just so, like, I'll take it. Let me give you all a 30,000-foot overview here Vampire. real quick Vampire the Masquerade. Um, whereas Dungeons & Dragons is very focused on uh, it can be very focused on combat uh, and role-playing. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade is... Uh, I suppose your storyteller could have it more combat-oriented, but whenever we've played with Anthony, it has been almost entirely story-based. Uh, it's all role-playing. It's plotting. It's forming alliances, coming up with ideas, seizing power for yourself. Vampire the Masquerade is politics. And subterfuge. But dirty. Dirtier than politics that you can imagine right now. Like, you think Clinton body count is funny? You would love to play Vampire the Masquerade because you can do that for real. Like, well, in the game at least, you know. 
Well, yeah, yeah. Don't actually go Clinton on people. She's terrible. Yeah, don't, don't, don't go Clinton on people. I do not have any information that would lead to the arrest of Hillary Clinton. Uh, I feel like I have to stress that again. Every time. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, games like this, it's it's so fun. It's, it's a wonderful creative outlet. It's a great time uh, to spend with your friends. And this Vampire the Masquerade revolves around the quote-unquote world of darkness where you have uh, vampires. Um, and I'm not talking like uh, Twilight-style vampires. I'm talking like they're actual gothic punk vampires. Think Dracula if you want. There's, there's different types okay. of vampires in this world. Okay? You've got like your stereotypical like uh, like Nosferatu for, like, from the movie. I mean, they're called Nosferatu. They're ugly. They're deformed. They're hideous to look at. But they're cunning and they're powerful. There's, you know, the... Like, your, your, your Dracula types who honestly think they're a stereotypical Bram Stoker's Dracula vampire. Like, they, they go around saying, bleh. I mean, it's... It's almost hysterical. And then you've got more modernized versions of vampires... That some, you know, are basically all money driven. They're basically like a, a big like a like a big corporation that's just out to get money and, you know, get their you know, get their feet on. There's some that are basically like a gangster family from Italy. There's right. Yeah, and I mean there's there, there's some that like practice almost like dark magics, like blood blood magic, where they can manipulate your blood inside your body, or there's some that can mold you like clay. Oh, like don't don't forget the uh, the Democrats, the Malkavians. Yeah, I hate them. Okay. <laughs> the The joke is the the Malkavians are are the type of vampire that they have a mental illness, um, and it could be something uh, as simple as like OCD to something as crazy as their goldfish talks to them. It could even be crazier than that, honestly. <laughs> crazy Ray. Yeah, Crazy Ray. Um, they and, and they actually have the ability to spread their delusion and their mental illness to other people. It's kind of wonderful in a way. Um, but it's a completely different rule system and everything. I mean, you're still rolling dice. You're still wheeling and dealing and, and uh, doing all sorts of things. And it's just... This is the kind of stuff that people should you should do stuff like this you really should i don't care who you are like vampire the masquerade find... even above dnd like allows you to be absurdly creative in situations it 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 makes the way you handle situations and think about things much more broad and i think it really is good for especially kids like i think kids should get more into this because it'll really open your mind up it will um Honestly, I I want to I want to bring in everybody into D and D and Vampire the Masquerade, and who knows, you know, maybe maybe one of these days our channel will become so successful we can, I don't know, maybe we can live stream us playing Vampire, something like that. I don't know. That'd be fun as hell. I mean, I'd say one day if we ever did like a charity live stream or something, we could totally just have like a D and D game for like hours. I love the sound of that. That would be amazing. Let, let's uh, let's stick a pen in that and do that one of these days. But I, I guess in closing, um, it might sound dorky and silly to play a role a, a, a tabletop RPG, but it's really 
it really opens up a new world. Um, it's a creative outlet. Um, you can you can take out your frustrations in the game without any real life repercussions. If you want to, oh, I don't know, blow up a hotel, you can do that. If you want to set fire to a building and get rid of some crackheads, <laughs> you can do that. Um, if you want to, you know, drink a druggy dry and then try to cover it up. Yeah, and then your surgeon friend saves his life and uh, now you're indebted to him. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. Um. The, the only limiting factor to something like these kinds of games is what you're willing to put in. If you're not willing to do the work and to actually become invested in your character and invested in the world that your storyteller or dungeon master has created for you to play in, you're not going to get anything out of this. You're not going to have fun. Um, you're only going to have fun when everyone's on the same page. Uh, actually, everyone doesn't even need to be on the same page. Um, but everyone has to, everyone has to come to the table. Everyone's got to be invested. You, you, you can't have people that are there just whenever it's not their turn, just lulling off or, I mean, you just can't have people who drag the group down and there, there, there's, there's going to be people you don't agree with, but there's people in life you don't agree with. So, I mean, you, you, you play regardless, you keep going, you, you do you bingo that's that's all i got to say on the topic go play D, &D guys it's good for you you'll have fun <laughs>